We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it! Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. One half of the Eurostep podcast network. One, one, a much bigger number of the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Ty Windish. I am joined as always by my detail-oriented co-host, Rohan Kadi. Rohan has prepared this just tremendous outline for this podcast, going over just about every important part of this series. We're going to go through it all. We're not just going to read it off. That would be pretty bad podcasting, but... We've got a lot to cover. We are previewing Bucks and Nets, which kicks off Saturday, I believe 6.30 Central Time. Rohan, all that to say, how's it going? I'm doing well. It's been a long week of no Bucks basketball. It's been terrible. Uh, it's honestly sucked because we've gotten intense, play- I say intense, intense lead up to playoff games. They've been blowouts, but uh, yeah, just the, Miami yeah. Heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got to take the victory laps that we can. But it's been rough without Bucks basketball. I mean, like teams, we mentioned this before, teams just need to take care of business. Yeah. Slackers. Also, and, yeah. if you haven't listened to our last Eurostep episode, I mean, make sure you listen to the Winning Six episodes too. One of those has dropped since then, a mailbag. I had some thoughts about the LA teams in the West. If you want a good laugh, go listen to that podcast, especially the latter part, talking about the Western Conference, because... <laughs> my takes didn't age well is all, all i'm saying i'm not gonna even hey, let you weigh in okay yeah sure go okay. ahead no 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 it's a good it's a good point let's let them uh yeah realize but, that you'll f- figure out pretty quickly where we went wrong <laughs> mostly me uh mostly i'll, me, I'll yes. take some heat there too. yeah <laughs> i think you're looking a little better um but no enough of that let's look forward we don't have to pretend as if there's two options for the bucks to be playing the nets finally finished vanquishing the celtics took them five whole games Destroyed their franchise. <laughs> yeah, the Celtics are in disarray now. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking. We don't even know that much, but basically Brad Stevens is their GM. Danny Ainge doesn't feel like working. Brad Stevens didn't feel like coaching. Doesn't. Yeah. I, I just I wish I could just not feel like doing my job anymore and get promoted. I think that'd be sick. But Imagine alas. if other candidates had that opportunity. That'd be a wild experience, wouldn't it? Sure would be. Um, All I'll say on that. Yeah. But – 
Okay, the Nets. Enough about the Celtics. We'll laugh at them. I'm sure all off season. I've been we've been dunking on them viciously on Twitter as as we're prone to do. Let's look at the Nets. So the first thing we have a little bit of news. Probably the only real news in this series until the starters are announced, and we're going to get to both sides who could start in this game. There's actually a lot of options, but Jeff Green may in fact be ready to play Game One. We've kind of been looking at this as. He'll be banged up, maybe miss the first game or a couple games. He's day-to-day. It's not for sure he's going to play yet, but that does pretty much exactly line up with the 10 days he was going to be out for when he first got hurt, I believe, against Boston. Um, So he may be available after all. That is pretty big for the Nets. The Bucs don't look to have any player who will play that much get back from injury. We still have not heard a Thanasis Adetokounmpo injury update, which I know is keeping Rohan up at night. It is. It's very important to me. It, it would be I nice to I say that know. completely seriously. Would, I sound I know, sarcastic oh, I know right you now. No, I'm I know very you serious. Yeah. Oh, if people listen, they know that smartest defender on the team, we need him. Yes. But Jeff Green, what are your thoughts on Jeff Green potentially being available earlier than we expected? Does this swing anything? It does a little bit, and I'm sure we're going to get into that. Very quickly here, but he is one of the options to be the starting center for the Brooklyn Nets. He has been wild, what a wild statement. Just can we just take a second? Like, this team might just start Jeff Green at center. Like, and what it a might be their best option. What a different world the Nets play in than I don't think any other team you could start Jeff Green at center and it would work. But for Brooklyn, like you said, it might actually work quite well. Yes, so that's why this series going into it with Jeff Green being a little injured favored Milwaukee a little bit. I wouldn't say over the series overall, we'll yeah. get into that, but just that aspect of it sort of favored Milwaukee because Jeff Green has been a very, very important piece for Brooklyn this entire season. He's been one of the keys to their defense. Again, these are wild statements. Insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. He's like a fine defender, and that makes him a 99th percentile Nets defensive player. One of two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, at two and a half, we'll get it. But Jeff Green being available is a big win for Brooklyn. And let's just get into it right away. The biggest question, I guess, uh, going into the series is who is actually going to start for both teams? Which, who, like, that? that's a question that you don't really get into a lot when you're going into a playoff series. But these two teams, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, they have some questions they need to answer. Milwaukee uh, has to still answer the Dante DiVincenzo question. We got an answer in game four against Miami where we start, saw Pat Connaughton insert in the starting lineup. Mixed results. We'll say that. Mixed? Mixed, res- mixed results. What was the positive part? Well, the, That they won the game? Sure. We'll say, like, it differs from team to team. Let me say that. And for Brooklyn, they've had their starting centers sort of fluctuate the entire season. They've played the most lineups of any team in the entire league this season because of injuries, because of health and safety protocols, because of just experimentation, vacations, vacations, just anything you could ever think of has happened to the Brooklyn Nets this season, which is why Steve Nash has had to employ so many different lineups. So the biggest question right off the bat is who is going to be the starting center for the Brooklyn Nets? And I like I think there are five options here. Um, well, I guess there's really only five options. There's Jeff Green, as we just talked about. There's DeAndre Jordan. There's Blake Griffin. There's Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown. Where do you want to start? I don't think they start game one by starting Bruce Brown, personally. Okay, like, you think I that's we, more we, of a mid-series adjustment? Or just like a closing five adjustment. I, even then, I... 
it's the kind of the crux of the series is how size is going to work on both ends. I don't want to spoil the whole convo early, but I do think early on, I would be surprised if they went with anyone smaller than Jeff Green, which basically just rules out Bruce Brown. He's the smallest of the other four guys. But I just think we all know the Bucks are going to start Brooke Lopez. That's not a question, right? Like we know this, like you could have maybe tried to talk me into starting small when Dante was still available and just starting PJ Giannis. I still would not have done that. I am of the mind, just like I said in the Miami series, make them play someone off the floor. Don't, don't preemptively take someone off the floor. Who's good. Make them be played off the floor. So Brooke Lopez, no doubt starter. That's not the starting conversation we have to have for the Bucks. I don't think Steve Nash is going to go with Bruce Brown against that. It would be a fascinating basketball experiment if they did, but I don't personally see that coming. Do you think there's a chance Bruce Brown starts game one for Brooklyn? Maybe not game one. I'm with you on that. I do think he could start later in the series if things sort of take a turn for the worse for Brooklyn or the right way for Milwaukee. I guess they're the same thing. (laughs) But Bruce Brown starting alongside James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Joe Harris is a very, very potent lineup for Brooklyn. You completely weaponize KD at the five, Bruce Brown at the five, whatever you want to say. It's like the same debacle you have, like PJ and Giannis on the floor. Who's the five? Doesn't matter. It's just the lineup itself. That has the potential to be one of the greatest lineups in the NBA, in my opinion. And it does cause a lot of problems. Uh, for Brooklyn on the defensive end, like you mentioned, going up against Brook Lopez causes issues for Milwaukee in terms of potency on the defensive end. It just seems untenable game one. So maybe we'll see it later, maybe, but I don't think we see it right away. I think the game one starter is going to be Blake, personally. I, that's okay. what they rolled with against the Celtics, I think the whole series. Also, I didn't know, I wasn't paying much attention to that series. I think we all kind of assumed the end result there. I wasn't super Speak locked for yourself. in. <laughs> yeah, I know, Rohan. You're the, the number one underdog believer in North America. But like I, I'm just also not super interested in some Brooklyn stuff just because to a certain extent you kind of know the deal, right? I mean, there's gonna be some different strategic wrinkles and everything, but it's like, you know, it's KD Harden and Kyrie. Like that is that's the appeal of the Nets. And I didn't think they would not play DeAndre at all. I, not starting him was a big deal when that first happened, when Brooklyn here, because we know KD and Kyrie love him. Not playing him at all, I think, is wild. But I don't think he starts game one. I think he is going to be the in- break glass in case of Giannis dunking all over everyone repeatedly, which is a pretty bad break glass in case of option. But I do think that's what we're going to see the role of DeAndre Jordan be. I think he's going to be thrown out there to try and defend the rim if the Bucs just repeatedly get to it against Blake, which they should. And I think Blake's going to retain that starting spot. I think the best combination of size, offense, and defense on this list, which is really saying something about the kind of players that are on this list for Brooklyn, but I do think it's going to be Blake. He gives you more offensive punch than than anyone else here. Uh, Jeff Green is close. I don't think they're going to start Jeff Green coming back off this injury immediately. I think that's asking a lot. I think it's going to be Blake to start off. That's fair. I'm glad you bring up Jeff Green, like his injury, because it was a plantar fascia issue, I believe. Yep, strained plantar fascia issue. And that's, if you're starting him at center against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's, that's a lot, that's, man. That's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. I so I don't think he'll start right away either. 
Blake Griffin probably makes the most sense. It's very interesting that that decision actually happened against Boston because the last time we saw DeAndre Jordan uh, starting was against Milwaukee in that miniseries, and he's just disappeared. Just absolutely disappeared. I think Giannis just absolutely broke his spirit, and understandably so. He scored 85 points in two games. So... (laughs) Yeah, is that is that why you I gave me a, is that why you gave me the look when I said he's going to be the break glass in case of yes, I did. <laughs> it's just like you know the the stats are what they are, and we know he's no match for Giannis. But I don't know what else the Nets can really do. Like I think telling Blake to go out there and fall over a lot and try to draw offensive fouls is a solid plan A. I also think, and we'll see. You know, Nash. We don't have a lot of data on him as a coach, but. They've rolled pretty well with him at center. I don't think you make the lineup change for no reason. I think you probably just, you know, you don't want to upset the apple cart or whatever. But, I mean, like, they only have so many guys who have any sort of size. And I guess if they want to tr- see if Bruce Brown can do the Marcus Smart style thing, I I don't see it. Like, I don't think that's going to work out for them. We should probably talk about uh, – Let's we'll get to Claxton in a second. Let's talk, let's talk about DeAndre. Do you think he's going to not play a single minute in this series? Like, do you think they're just going to not play him again? Because I think that was dictated by the Celtics personnel. I think against Milwaukee's size, they're going to just have to play him, basically. They're going to have to play him because uh, some of these players, like (laughs) Blake Griffin, uh, Nick Claxton, like they're going to get into foul trouble. Like, that's a given at this point. Uh, just based on what Brook Lopez, eh, maybe not Brook Lopez, mostly just Giannis. Brook Lopez and PJ Tucker cannot get a whistle to save their lives. Uh, do you remember like two years ago, as an aside, when Brook Lopez would just get every foul call when he was just like galloping through the paint and yeah. like, making end ones? I actually think what he, happened to that? I, I think he might get guys in foul trouble, but it's going to be loose ball fouls, not shooting fouls. Like I think that's the way he's going to be able to get the Nets in foul trouble. Like the glass is going to be so important, and that's another reason why. I think they just have to play DeAndre. Like, he's still a pretty solid rebounder. Mm. You know, Bruce Brown for his position. You can say for his position about a lot of these other guys, but being a solid rebounder for your position does not help you fighting Giannis and Brooke Lopez for rebound. So I think they're going to get bullied into playing DeAndre Jordan. I mean, unless unless they completely dictate the game early, which could certainly happen with the players they have, Brooklyn. But I do think the size of the Bucks has to be used as a weapon here for Milwaukee. and dominating the boards like they did against Miami is a big part of that. And honestly, fairly similar lack of depth on the big guys. I mean, we have more options written out here, but like Jeff green, you know, it's like a, he's a Trevor Ariza size player. Like you can dominate the boards all easily. If Jeff green is your four slash five, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. For sure, you really can. Uh, it looks like Milwaukee is just going to win the rebounding battle regardless uh, in this situation, unless, uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn just doesn't miss shots. Which is also a it's it's a possibility, uh, but yeah, let's get let's get back to Blake Griffin. You said he was going to start. I think he'll start as well. And one of the reasons I think he's going to start is because he poses the most potential problems for Milwaukee in terms of their base defense that they want to go to. So we talked a lot about during the Miami series where, uh, you know, they sort of Milwaukee got beat by the drop early on, then they adjusted and then they weaponized the drop to their advantage. That worked because Bam out of bio can't shoot at all at all yep blake griffin can't and just having him out there just putting it you just need to stash him in the corner or maybe just on the wing and maybe just pick and pop now and then that's something that's caused brooke lopez potential like problems in the past and that's you know allowed him to sort of quote-unquote get played off the floor in some situations in some situations he hasn't completely gotten played off the floor but Blake Griffin has the most potential issues for Milwaukee's defense. I think you're going to have to show if they're pick and popping. I think you just need to bring Lopez up to the point, like by near the screen. Uh, Eric Name wrote a really good article about Giannis defending like over screens uh, today for the Athletic, and a lot of the clips were like him going around. And I noticed on almost all of them, if Lopez's guy was the screener, he was right there with his arms up. I think KD missed the two shots that were shown and they were shown as not for that, but like as of how much, how hard it is for a seven footer and Giannis to get around screens and Giannis had great quotes on it. But I think it's, it's not, there's some value in pointing out that like it's hard to duck around a screen and then shoot over the mammoth Brooke Lopez. Like, I think you need to show like that deceptively long, deceptively long Brooke Lopez. Cause like, KD's default is not to slither around. He can do it. He certainly can do it, but his default is to hit that pull-up, especially from three. So I think if you're making him put the ball on the ground and like try to beat Brooke Lopez to for two points instead of three, I don't think that's terrible. I think making him shoot over Brooke Lopez is preferable. Like I think that's the adjustment to keep Brooke on the floor more early. And yeah, if Blake's in the corner, I think you probably help more than we would be comfortable with in most situations. I'm like, I'm saying kind of leave him alone, even though he has been a good shooter. I think 38 plus percent you pointed out here, but since arriving to Brooklyn, since arriving to Brooklyn, which I mean, he's sure he's getting just the difference in looks must be just ridiculous for him, but I'm more willing to live with a solid shooter getting open looks. If it means that KD is deterred from shooting or Harden or Kyrie or whatever. So it's a it's a pick your poison thing. You don't feel great about it necessarily, but I do think those are the adjustments Milwaukee needs to make if Blake is playing center. Yeah, like you'd rather have Blake Griffin uh, taking shots than Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie. Yes, I think that's that's, that's, that that does that does change for me if he's like just hit two in a row or something. But to an extent, yes. I think at that point you just need to. At that point, you you put you just tell Lopez to go meander over there. And then you need your defenders to play great defense. And that's why, honestly, if they put Blake in the corner, 
The Bucks are pretty capable at switching one through four, especially if they have PJ out there. That's why I said, th- yeah, if they stash him on the wing, that's a different issue. Because well, yeah. one thing that Brooklyn's like to do in those situations where they're sort of uh, defenders are helping off of uh, Blake Griffin is they sort of put like either Harden or Kyrie or Joe Harris in the corner instead and stash Blake Griffin on the wing. So he can either make like a flash out to the other corner, other wing, or just, you know, cut at his slow pace or just stay there because the easy pass is to the corner and you need to defend that. If that's James Harden, yeah. Kyrie Irving or Joe Harris. And if you put Joe uh, Blake Griffin on the wing, it makes things a little more difficult for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of little chess matches, I think mostly involving size. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they all play out. But I do think, I just think you need to figure out how to keep Brooke out there because the benefits on offense are going to be there for sure. Like, He's going to body. He's going to be bigger than whoever's guarding him, no matter what, the entire series. And there is a real benefit in that. And he's been a more aggressive rebounder and interior scorer, to his credit, in the playoffs. I would expect that to continue um, for sure. Let's talk about Claxton. I'm very interested in this because I feel like this is one where, you know, our listeners who aren't online very much probably just don't really have any idea about this guy. Our viewers, who, our listeners, excuse me, who are very online. I feel like he has this reputation as like this ace defensive player. I think he's a good relative. I think he's a good switchable defender, but I think the difference is like, it's like Robert Covington and that there's some things he's quite good at, but he's not going to just shut down good players. One-on-one. That's how I look at Claxton. Like I think if they stick him primarily on Giannis, I don't think he has the bulk to really hang or, or just the skills. Like, I don't think that's going to work. I, again, they don't have a good option. No team really. You know what, ironically, Brooklyn's best option used to be? Who? Jared Allen. Oh, for sure. Jared Allen could go up at and block Giannis at the, the dunk point. Like, Jared Allen is a legit interior defender. He's probably going to get overpaid by Cleveland soon for his skill set, but he would have been super useful uh, for the, the Nets here, no question. I thought it was interesting. Do you know Brooklyn lost his minutes in the Celtics series? Do they really? Pretty uniformly. Oh. Z- Z- he was a plus zero in game one, plus four in game two, minus 21 in their loss in game three, plus 14 in game four, minus four in game five. Interesting. So like, I feel like Brooklyn doesn't utilize Claxton as much as they really need to. He, he hasn't played can, much. He's Because like, they need to really... Uh, get Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan into the rotation. Well, sure. They provide some things, but there's also front office things that they need to take. But this is, I mean, this is against Boston when DeAndre didn't play and they still didn't really have minutes for him. I mean, 11, 18, 16 and a half, eight and 12 were his minutes played. So like, yeah, no, I'm just saying like throughout the regular, yeah, throughout the regular season for sure. But like, even, even in a situation where DeAndre doesn't play, like he was still a, a minor cog in their machine. Okay. So, we both agree that Blake Griffin is probably going to be the game one starter. Yes. Uh, let's hope he does not uh, injure any players. Uh, he's going to get his flops. He's going to get his, uh, uh, his, uh, how do I put this? Uh, Grift. Griffs. Griffs. Yep. Yeah. Griffs. I, I think Chris Middleton's going to get in his face. That's my hot take for the series. Oh, those two have history last they do, time. They, they, they the sure do have history. Blake Griffin hates Milwaukee, and I have no idea why. Uh, I have my theory. 20, 2018 I, or 2019? Even before then. True. He didn't like them. Yeah. And my theory, my theory is, this is no backing whatsoever, is that uh, 
uh, Blake <laughs> just thought of, uh, he looks at Giannis. It's like, oh, that's the old me. I used to be able to do that. Except better. Yes. Yeah, it's like seeing, In every facet. Seeing you 2.0 in any context. It's like, And then oh, you're just like, oh, don't love okay, that. I can still dunk. I don't love being worse than this guy in every measurable way. Not one bit. Ah, Blake is probably more explosive. Ah! No, worse in every way. No, yeah, let's no. let's not. I, I stopped it. I stopped myself midway okay. through. So never did a oh, better dunk contest dunker. Yes, yes, for that. sure. Giannis in the dunk contest is not fun. Well, I was going to say you didn't People do it. I tried. I tried. Yeah, I tried to block it out of my mind. It's so bad. Someone asked him like a few years ago at an All Star game, "Would you ever do the dunk contest?" <laughs> and then Giannis was like, "Yeah, I have," and I came last. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. It wasn't good. Uh, uh, Thanasis had his moment before he was on the Bucks, though. That's true. Uh, but yeah, since we both agree that Blake is going to be the starter for Brooklyn, let's move on to who is going to be the fifth starter for Milwaukee. Like I mentioned up top, we saw Pat Connaughton start game four against Miami, and I said mixed results. Why is that wrong, Ty? Because what were the good results? They I'm won asking, the game? I, do, do, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Tell, well, tell me, Ty, this is podcasting. Yeah, I know. Um, like, it can sort of work if he's hitting his shots, but there's no guarantee that happens. And that's, you could say that's true about any shooter. Bryn Forbes was over three or whatever in game one. And there's fair, gravity, gravity, fair, but exactly, game. exactly. Like Bryn Forbes, you need to get out to him no matter. And I think if you leave him open, like, I just don't think there's any way he's going to miss three wide open shots. And maybe, maybe they were all three wide open in game one. And I forget, but if you give that guy a lot of space, like he's just way too good. He's just way too good. I mean, we went over it. I think I said this in a recent pod, but like he didn't even shoot unseasonably well against Miami, all told. He was one make above shooting his season average from three. The guy will just eviscerate you if you give him open looks. And defenses know that. And someone's going to close out to him. We saw Miami, and this is like a shell-shocked Miami team that was just getting beaten up like Thanos in the start of the last Thanos movie. Just like just disrespected. Like they they just pounded him. And they still were like, yeah, that guy, we're not super. And he was having a really good series. And they were still like, uh, that guy, we're just not concerned. And the shots didn't go in. Because I think I think Pat Connaughton maybe is kind of the opposite shooter of Bryn Forbes. Like, I think wide open, like being disrespected, I feel like that might actually, that might get to Pat a little bit. Whereas We call that the J.R. Smith. Uh, it's the weirdest comp of all time, but yes, like makes I more contested shots than open shots. I'm not even that. I just think like more like rhythm of the offense shots as opposed to like I'm being left wide open and I know it. Like I think that can be tough for some players. Like Pat is not like a born and bred shooter, right? Like he came to the league as an athletic like slasher too, and then kind of morphed into playing bigger on defense and becoming a better shooter. Bryn Forbes is like no conscious, doesn't give a bleep. I'm just going to hit every single shot if that's how he, that's how he treats the game. And I think that's the difference. And defensively, he just doesn't offer enough. Like, I don't like him covering literally anyone on the nets. Like, I don't see any benefit in it versus the other options. I think I've seen people posit maybe you stick him on Joe Harris. I think that's a nightmare. I think Joe Harris is going to pump fake him. Like, he might literally jump from Barclays to MSG. Like, I think that's intentable. I, I don't like him on any of the smaller players. I don't like him on Kyrie. I don't Harden, I guess, is the best. And think about what you're saying. People will say Blake, but then it's like, okay, so you're putting Brooke Lopez on Kevin Durant. No, thank you. I just don't see it. I don't I don't see the fit on either end. 
I don't think he does anything well enough to to merit starting over one of Forbes or Tucker. Yeah, that's fair. Like the positives are there, right? Like defensive mm. versatility. Ish. Ish. Like in this series, especially. It's tough for him. Have, it no, I'd say that's where he's the most valuable because I, but, they, but they're I, so switchable. Like you can switch in that scenario, which is the best option for Milwaukee. If you're running like guard, guard, guard forward actions, you have to switch those against Brooklyn. And Pat gives you the best option to do that. I guess. I don't think it's meaningfully that much better than Forbes, to be honest. No, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, know, I do agree I with you. I think that Bryn Forbes, who we're going to talk about right now, is the best option. Like you yeah. said, he's a shooter. He is an absolute shooter and maybe a gunner, but no, no, he's a shooter. There's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with being a gunner. Hey, if you can back it up, there's nothing wrong with being a gunner. When you can outscore Jimmy Butler in the series, there's nothing wrong with being a gunner. Yeah. The original, uh, he's drawing inspiration from Mount Mirza. Uh, Jordan's (laughs) going to like that one. Um, But Bryn Forbes is someone that Brooklyn cannot ignore if they want to load up. Uh, defensively no. against Chris, Drew, and Giannis. They, they cannot. They might out of sheer awfulness at defense, but they, I don't they think shouldn't. They I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Yeah. Because you can't really give open shots to Bryn Forbes because that's what that's what Brooklyn is trying to do offensively, isn't it not? Like, yeah. that's why Joe Harris has been so incredible this season and is like the greatest shooter of all time, apparently, because he's getting such good looks because teams are helping off of him to get to Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant because they don't have any other option. So you're sort of playing into your own game in an opposite way. If that made any sense whatsoever, Uh, you're, you're doing exactly what you want other teams to do in order to win the old, the old bucks conundrum where they wanted, they wanted to take all the threes, but they were also giving up all the threes, which was exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, the Spurs of today. Uh, but yeah, Bryn Forbes can't ignore him, which is why you need as much spacing as possible to maximize Drew, Chris, and Giannis, which is why I think he should be the starter here. Yeah. Any other option? Pat Connaughton, I think, is a, he's a valid option. Uh, I Actually, in the previous three matchups against Brooklyn in the regular season, Pat Connaughton has actually seen a lot of crunch time minutes, uh, which is interesting. Kill me. Uh, it's worked out. <laughs> okay. Well... Hasn't it? This this is a process over results podcast. Sure, sure. We'll see. We'll see. Regular season and playoffs are a different animal, as we've become accustomed to saying. But yeah, Bryn Ford's best option. Pat, he's all right. And the other option here is to just go massive. You could start PJ Tucker. You could start Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, no. Bobby, it's, I love you. I just we can't. We can't this do is not, it. This is not the series. Like. I don't, there's probably no series, but like the thing with Pat for me that I think this is a bad matchup for him. And I know he's played well against the Nets and the, the Bucks have had good results, but like, I think Pat is best at guarding fours who aren't Kevin Durant, like the, the kind of more boring fours who like space the floor. So a like bit. a normal NBA player. Uh, Bielitsa when Miami and it worked for, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it worked. They got crushed in his minutes, but like, Pat, you can throw on a guy like Bielitsa and he'll just like follow him around and be strong and, and not let him grab every rebound. Brooklyn doesn't really have that many guys like that, or I guess they do, but they're playing them all at center when the Bucks are like needing to put Brooke Lopez on those guys. So I just like if this if this was a team that, you know, if they didn't have Nash, if they had like Mark Jackson or some other terrible coach and they were like 
their starting lineup was like Kyrie Harden, Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton, and DeAndre or Blake and DeAndre or something. Then I'd be like, well, sure. You put Brooke on on DeAndre, you put Pat on Blake, and you can live with with the other stuff. But the way this team plays, the how small they play, I don't like Pat. And for the same reason, right? I don't like Bobby. I don't I don't want Bobby Portis scurrying around on the perimeter. And I don't want Brooke Lopez doing that either. So, you know, Brooke's gonna have to to some extent, I'm sure, to cover actions. But if you start them together, then one of them is actually covering like a real perimeter player. That is not ideal. Yeah, for sure. And sort of similar things apply to PJ Tucker a little bit. PJ Tucker. Sort of. I, I'm more comfortable with PJ ranging yes. down, but sort of. He's a much, much better defender. PJ Tucker is just otherworldly. But you just you need to save him for the minutes that you just need someone to eat up innings on Kevin Durant. Or you just need to like, okay, KD's doing it, KD things. Let's try our best to yeah. maybe slow him down a little bit. Also, I like the idea of like almost game by game making them make Forbes unplayable. Like I think the upside is so much there for Milwaukee. Like make him get played off the floor every single time. I do think it wouldn't surprise me. And this is wild. I would have never said this like two weeks ago. The closing lineup could very well end up being Drew, Chris, PJ, Giannis, Brooke. Yeah, it really could be. Which we went in going all about how they need to go small and everything else. But I think two factors play into that. How well Brooke has played, which is undeniable. And of course, the loss of DiVincenzo, which I think we are maybe more critical than anyone of, of Dante. But losing that perimeter defense option, even if he's not stellar on ball, is something that it, it, it's tough. It's tough for Milwaukee to, to overcome. It really is. And that gets a lot into matchup issues, which I yeah. guess we can get into right now because this yeah. series is going to be dictated by matchups because like just on its face, this series is just individual talent versus individual talent, right? Yeah. It's Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving against Giannis Adetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Like that's the matchup realistically. So what matters is who's guarding who <laughs> for either team especially which is why the series is going to be fantastic is that Milwaukee's players are two-way superstars two-way yes. superstars Brooklyn has one and a half of those who's the half Kyrie oh really Ky- oh, I guess yeah he, he has played he played some damn good defense in the last Kyrie has been in Incredible is a strong word, but I've been really impressed by his defense. For his standards. I've been really impressed with Kyrie Irving this season, if I'm being completely honest. He stepped up. He has been incredible and not getting enough credit. Wow. Are you you part of the worldwide unification tour that the Brooklyn Nets are carrying out? I want to defend him so bad, but he does not give me any opportunities (laughs) to do so. Do you you think he really believes that? That like people around the world are like turning on the Nets game? See, my... What I hope is the takeaway is that he wants to unite people. I It would be really clever if he clarified it and meant like, no, I mean that everyone's going to root against us because we're the obvious villain now. That'd be cool. If that was the point, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, he's just, he's making it difficult for me <laughs> to defend him. Uh, but Kyrie Irving has been incredible, which is why I'm giving him one and a half. Katie, yeah, when he's locked in, isn't a world defender. He can't although, defend. although... It's kind of a tough defensive series for KD in some ways. It is. It is, which is great that you bring that up because Milwaukee is a big team. Like you said, uh, Brooklyn is a small team, which begs the question, who is guarding who? So let's go with the assumption that Bryn Forbes and uh, Blake Griffin are starting, right? 
So the matchups for Milwaukee is this is what I have written down is you put Drew on Kyrie, you put Chris Middleton on James Harden, uh, Bryn Forbes on Joe Harris, Giannis on KD, and then Brooke on Blake. Do you have any problem with that? I don't have any problem with that. I wouldn't be stunned if we saw a little. Ah. I know they like to put Chris on the shooters. I think Chris Middleton on defense is going to be one of those things that might end up being way more impactful on this series than anyone would expect going in. I think we've seen largely indifferent Chris. I think we've seen locked in defensively Chris. We're going to need the latter for pretty much all of his minutes. Bryn on Kyrie, Drew on Harden, Chris on Harris. What are your thoughts? Say that again. Bryn on Kyrie. Drew on Harden, Chris on Joe Harris. Nah, that's nah. enough for me. I just, I don't trust Bryn Forbes enough. I'm fine. Like the thing is with Bryn Forbes, like he's fine as an off ball defender. I think he's been able to hold his own. He doesn't get lost or anything. It's individually when teams are trying to break him down is where he struggles a bit. Dude, and if struggling. you're putting... If you're putting like Kyrie Irving and asking to go ISO on Brent Forbes, Kyrie Irving is most likely going to win that battle. But is that not is that not a better battle than getting the whole team involved, including Harden and, and KD? That's part of my but thinking. Is that, is that not easier than just putting Brent Forbes and Joe Harris and asking them to run around? Well, I, I, it's not about what's easier. I mean, if, if you do that, then... I think you're more likely to get the full Brooklyn offense with all those screens and the Spain pick and roll and everything else and freeing up shooters and making people make impossible choices. I think if you can get Kyrie trying to ISO Bryn Forbes a lot, you might lose it. You might lose that pretty badly. I don't hate it as a gamble here and there throughout the series. If it's going to get less touches to KD and, and Harden, maybe it's not how you start though. For sure. Like, we're going to see a lot of these. Like, we're going to see a lot of possessions where Bryn Forbes is guarding Kyrie Irving because the way Milwaukee has played Brooklyn in the past is they like to switch these matchups around. They yeah. like to feed, like, their big three just different matchups so they yep. can't get, you know, used to one matchup, used to breaking down one matchup, exploiting this and that. You can't exploit something if it's not the same every possession. And that's what Milwaukee's game plan is and probably going to be going into game one is just you have to give them different looks. But to start off with, I don't know. I wouldn't just give in. It's just, it's something that Brooklyn can just readily go to. Yeah. That's my thinking. If you give, like, you're not going to ask Joe Harris to go ISO on Brent Forbes, right? Like, no, you're just, you're just going to do a ton of screens with him. And have yeah, him, and uh, like if you're if the out. most difficult defensive thing for Brent Forbes is just like navigating around screens, like he's fine. He's a smaller guy. He can do that better than better than people expect i would say isn't it's not great it's well, not gonna I'm, be an I would, ideal i would imagine. think milwaukee would probably switch most of it and then they just then brooklyn gets the brain thing they want and unless it goes badly a few times in a row depend i guess depending on who is calling for the screen you yeah, probably are sure. you probably aren't going to give up kd onto Bryn forbes that's probably bad yeah it, it most likely will end in a basket uh for brooklyn but yeah it's just it's tough. That's where we sort of get into like, oh, what if Pat starts? Then you can be better defensively, like in these sort of situations. Yeah. I don't know. It's I just tough. again, I don't feel I don't feel any better if Pat is having to chase Joe Harris around screens. Okay, but we're talking a lot about how Milwaukee sort of doesn't really fit that. 
if those two line, if those two players start Bryn Ford and Blake Griffin, let's talk about what Brooklyn would probably do. So Kyrie would probably be on Drew Holiday. Uh, James Harden would be on Chris Middleton, as Harden will not just chase around Bryn Forbes. That's just not going to happen. Uh, you put Joe Harris on Bryn Forbes. You put Kevin Durant on Brooke Lopez, and then Blake on Giannis, which is just like, who does KD guard in this series is going to be yeah. the biggest question for Brooklyn defensively, because you don't really want to put him on Giannis because Giannis has shown throughout the years that he will win that matchup to the point where Kevin Durant will get so frustrated that he will get ejected. Uh, that was a fun game. That was, was a really fun game. Uh, what did he, he got ejected in what the second quarter or something? Was that, was that back golden state? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, a, I think I watched, I watched that game at a bar in Oshkosh. Yeah, it was pretty early. That was a, that was a rush. But Giannis has gotten a lot better since then as well. Yeah. So that's not really a matchup that uh, you don't, you don't want KD, especially even though he's been otherworldly this season, which is incredibly impressive coming off of an Achilles injury. You don't want to wear him down that much, especially if you're Brooklyn, who aims to have a deep, deep playoff run. Like you can't risk anything happening to Kevin Durant. Well, also, in the short term, you you don't want him defending Giannis down low and picking up fouls. And exactly. I think that's that is if the Bucks if the Buck every time I think KD is matched up one on one against Giannis, Giannis has got to have that in mind because that's what other teams do to Giannis game in and game out. If you can get KD in foul trouble and limit his minutes, suddenly the equation just feels so much more palatable in terms of defending Brooklyn. So I agree. I don't think KD is going to start on Giannis. I think he'll end up there. At certain points, certainly when the Nets go small, but I do think those are those are going to be the matchups. And I think if they are, like Chris needs to do so much work off ball to just make James Harden get sick of actually trying on defense. Like I, I think Kyrie is going to bring it defensively. At least that's what I'm led to believe from from what we've seen so far. I think Harden is now known as like this great post defender. So I think if this is where off ball Chris can really be an asset and also on ball Chris, like if it's Harden on Chris, imagine a Chris Giannis pick and roll with James Harden and like Blake Griffin trying to defend it in space. I mean, you could even invert it. I think that's something Nikias Duncan wrote about in his great preview of the series. Giannis has really good numbers initiating pick and rolls. Would love to see some small set screens for him. Imagine Chris screening Blake with Harden behind trying to stop Giannis. Like, it's true, and I think you kind of we're, we're going toward this when you when you segued to this. Like the Bucks have some hard matchups on their end, but the Nets maybe have even worse ones. I mean, I think the way I look at it is Milwaukee has a better KD option, and maybe like two or three, than the Nets have a Giannis option, and it sort of applies to the other perimeter players too. For sure. Like also, like what is Kevin Durant going to do against Brook Lopez? Like that, yeah. one thing we talked a lot about in that Miami series was using a lot of Brooke Lopez down low, just bang gotta bodies keep up. down low. I, I do not want Brooke Lopez taking a single freaking three over Kevin Durant, by the way. No, and we haven't really seen Brooke Lopez take anything, so yeah. we probably won't. One interesting wrinkle that Brooklyn could throw in here is if they just throw James Harden onto Brooke Lopez and say, what are you going to do? I'm going to run. I'm going to pick and roll him to death and get every single offensive rebound is what I'm going to do. 
Yeah, so then you it frees up KD to guard Chris Middleton. Like, again, there's no good answer here for Brooklyn. But if their answer is just like, okay, just post up Brooke Lopez every time. Like, I think Milwaukee will take that. Like, they've shown in this Miami series that they will just go out there and hunt mismatches. And it's the same thing we just mentioned on uh, potentially putting Bryn Forbes on Kyrie Irving. If you have a ready-made mismatch, yeah, like, you're, they're just going to take it. That's something just sitting there for Brooklyn to take if you put Bryn Forbes on Kyrie Irving. The same thing applies if you put James Harden onto Brooke Lopez. I you actually just have a massive just like, okay, we're just going to take – advantage of this right away sorry go ahead no you're good i i actually think the it i i wouldn't like if they just posted up over and over like run pick and rolls and just toss lobs to him like what is james harden gonna do about a lob going up to brooke lopez like i think that's much safer like i don't want brooke to do that much ball handling so i think obviously the nets defenders are much worse than the heat defenders overall but we saw that like you know oh brooke's got a small guy let's throw him the ball 12 feet from the rim and he wasn't able to like get there. I mean, he got a little better as the series went on about like just keeping the ball up. I think it must be like riding a bike, like the post play it came back to him over time. But he needs to call up Robin, ask him for some advice. Yeah, on Robin, shots. yeah, get the get the hook shot that Robin taught Kareem. But um yeah, I would rather see Brooke Lopez get the ball without even having to dribble. Like I think I think if you see a small on Brooke Lopez, that should be the key, like oh, Drew has Kyrie on him, that's a pick and roll every single time because neither one of those players is going to hang with Brooke Lopez down low, like catching the ball in a lob or catching the ball one feet from the rim instead of 11 feet from the rim. Like he's just dumping that in the basket. And if the help comes from anywhere else, I really trust Drew Holiday to find where it's coming from and pick it apart. We saw him have 15 assists in a game against Miami. He could certainly replicate that against Brooklyn. So I actually think the pick and roll with Lopez is going to be huge if Miami decides to guard him with a small. For sure. Like Drew Holiday, he's an elite passer. And plus, if you're running like Drew uh, Brook pick and rolls, your secondary options are Giannis Adetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. Yeah, and probably Forbes behind you. (laughs) Yeah, so you have uh, secondary initiators being two of the most prolific offensive players in the league plus one of the greatest shooters in the league as a tertiary outlet. Yeah. So if Brooklyn really wants to get cute with this, Milwaukee will just destroy them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that the bucks have to be relentless. Like they were in the mini series against Philly and Brooklyn of just like targeting mismatches, keeping the ball in their best players hands with for ball handling duties. Like I said, if Brooke Lopez ends five possessions in a row, freaking yamming on someone, I have no issue but I don't want him doing the work to get the ball down there. That's why you trade for Drew Holiday. That's why you develop Chris Middleton and Giannis. Like, use those guys to advance. It's like football. Use those guys to advance the ball and then put it in Brooke Lopez's. Hey, Brooke Lopez is your tight end. Just get him get him straight up the seam. Everyone's worried about these other guys. Bam, 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 bam. Football, football analogy guy. tie. Football analogy tie. Yeah, shout out to uh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> oh man, it sucks that he's was that uh, a out Dante here. count. Yeah, that was a Dante count. Okay, that was ah, a good okay. one too. Listen back to it every was. episode we've ever done t- if you missed that comp. Uh, yep, because I definitely thoughts. remember what episode it was from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you want to go next year? Um, what do you think? How do you think the Bucks look to defend Brooklyn's big three when the Bucks big three and Tucker are out there? Because this is something people ask a lot. I think a lot of people are curious who takes who 
with the Bucks with all of their optimal defenders. I think we're going to see a lot of lineups like that. How do you think Milwaukee handles it? And I guess just after that too, I want to go in on just like, how do we feel about each of the Bucks perimeter defenders on each of Brooklyn's offensive players? Because I have some thoughts about how some of these matchups can really work as the Bucks throw waves of different defenders at the Nets. Okay, let's start with the first thing. I yeah. do have a I do have a question. What's the context of the situation? Because I feel like context matters. What time of the game is this? If you're having the uh, big three out there plus BJ Tucker, um, we could say closing. Closing. Okay. Yeah. I'll give both answers. Why not? Uh, if it's just in the middle of the game, it's like second or third quarter, and it's you know reasonably close game, which we expect this series to be very close. <laughs> this will be fun, man. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, I would put PJ Tucker on Kevin Durant. I mm. would put Drew Holiday onto uh, a James Harden, and I would put Chris Middleton on Kyrie Irving, and have Giannis just on the back line because that is where he is the most elite defensively and that gives opportunity sure for like a guy like Kyrie Irving to break down like a slow-footed Chris Middleton at times but you also have uh Drew Holiday clamping up James Harden which he's shown to do in the past I feel like we'll get to that matchup in a little bit in your second question but if you're putting PJ Tucker on Kevin Durant he's just someone who's gonna just make life very difficult for Kevin Durant and it's gonna Sure, he's going to pick up some fouls here and there, and we've seen that in that miniseries. He will pick up a ton of fouls, but he'll also make Kevin Durant miss some shots sometimes, which is all you can really ask for in this situation. Now, if it is the closing lineup, if it's the you know couple possessions, it's close game. You need it's game time. You need to win. You're putting Giannis on KD. You you have to in that situation because he if they are going full isolation, which they probably will do, because you have three great isolation players, and you're probably going to go to your best one in Kevin Durant in these situations, you need to put your best equipped defender on him, and that's Giannis. Like, Giannis is the only player, maybe in the league, who is capable of truly, truly defending KD, realistically. To close it, I want Giannis on KD, I want PJ on Harden, and I want Drew on uh, Kyrie Irving. Yes, yeah, you just, don't like it's it's a hierarchy. Like you want yeah. your best defenders on like Brooklyn's best players and slowly ascend down. I, so if you're putting uh Giannis on uh or excuse me, yeah, if you're putting Giannis on uh KD, then you just slide down. Like PJ is your next guy that you're gonna put on Harden because he's bigger. Drew's gonna be on Kyrie. Like Chris, sorry, you're not as good as those guys defensively. Yeah, and that that's really that's where I come with it. I would prefer in a perfect world to have Drew on Harden, I think. But I I don't think I think all of those guys are a little too big and slow to handle Kyrie, and I think Drew is not, and I think that's where I differ. It's not a hierarchy for me as much as I want all of my elite I it's probably the same as what you're saying just worded differently. I want all three of the best perimeter defenders on the team which is Drew, PJ, Giannis. I want them all starting on ball, uh, not on ball, but on the best players. Like it, try to, you have to force them off of them, in my opinion. And that means to do that, I think you need Drew on Kyrie because I don't want PJ there. I don't really want Giannis there. Uh, and I agree with your KD take. I think Giannis on KD, and we saw it. Giannis blocked the KD jumper. That almost never happens. I do think PJ can take Chris that Milton assignment. Once. So. Fair. Chris, listen, if, if they engineer a switch when Chris is on two of those guys, I feel solid about it. I don't love him on Kyrie. But 
Um, again, it's one of those two where if the Nets are working really hard with Joe Harris and, and I assume Joe Harris is the guy Chris would be on, if they're working really hard with Kyrie and Joe Harris on the last possession and KD and Harden aren't that involved, kind of a win in itself. I mean, those are good players, but KD and Harden are literal MVPs. So, uh, you know, you pick your poison, like I said earlier. But uh, I think you pretty much by default then are putting PJ on Harden unless – I mean, listen, maybe over the course of the series, Chris acquits himself incredibly well, and maybe PJ doesn't, or who knows. But that's what I would go in uh, expecting, so I think we're pretty much in alignment there. One of my takes on this thing is that I want to see some Giannis on Harden. I think that actually could be solid. I think it's it's almost like the Brooke Lopez thing to where – I think if you're Giannis, you probably give him a little bit extra space than pretty much any other defender would on the perimeter because of the step back. That's why that's the difficulty in guarding Harden, right? You have to watch for the step back. And if you play him up too far and he gets around you to his left, he's a bulldozer to the rim. Giannis can handle a bulldozer at the rim. And he's also, like we talked about in how he guards KD, massive. He's huge. He's very tall and long. It's hard to step back over a guy like that. So uh, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if I'll lock him down, but did just spend a whole series shadowing Jimmy Butler. Obviously, it's much harder to guard Harden because of the three-point shot, but he's just clearly, shooting in general. Yeah, just, yeah, attempting jumpers. But obviously, you know, Giannis can hang slithering around with a player of that size. They're relatively similar body types. Harden's bigger. But I, I wouldn't hate to see that for some possessions, and that's how – that's this concept of throwing waves of defenders. You can do that even if PJ is also on the floor by or, or Chris by throwing one of those guys on KD for a few possessions just to keep differentiating the looks uh, to make Brooklyn just not get comfortable with the defensive assignments. Plus, we just get the intrigue of James Harden versus Giannis in the playoffs. We need it. We really do because there was no – I guess there was a little bit of a chance of him that happening while he was in Houston – but no. this could this has a chance to be like a yearly thing with with those two players and their history. Oh, that's going to be fun. Harden's going to want to embarrass Giannis. Giannis is going to want to embarrass Harden or just throw a ball at his head again. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Harden returns the favor. We'll see this time. Bobby Portis will have some stuff to say about that. Yeah, uh, and PJ Tucker and Chris Middleton and just yeah, the entire team basically. Yeah. Uh, the Gnosis is going to get out of those jeans and probably just like rack up an assault <laughs> charge. Like, it's, it's it's not not impossible to, to see that coming. Maybe that's why we haven't seen an injury yet. Because <laughs> even a low key, yeah, they want him to have the the jewelry on. <laughs> um. So you, you teased it this earlier. I think this is an interesting thing to think about. Like which which of the perimeter defenders are you comfortable guarding? Which Nets offensive players? I think the difficulty is, I think Drew is the easiest to say anyone, any of them, any of the three. I mean, KD literally himself. anyone on the team. Yeah, literally, KD himself has said like it's one of the hardest covers in the league. Like I think Drew, you don't worry about on Kyrie Harden or KD. You're good with any of that. The difficulty, I think, for the Bucks in this series is the other three guys. I'm only comfortable with Harden or KD. I'm a little worried about any of Giannis, Chris, and PJ shadowing Kyrie. But one of them is probably going to have to do it unless Bud just matches Drew's minutes with Kyrie's, which is certainly in play. It is. This is the biggest uh, 
sort of reason why Dante being out is stuff. It sucks so much. I think he pretty clearly would have drawn that cover to start. Yeah, because he is a capable, more than capable defender. Uh, he's a good, solid defender, in fact. And he's just another guy. Like he's smaller, he's faster than Chris. Like he's more agile than Chris. So you, you just you get these sort of you you can put him on a guard. Like you're losing a starting guard. <laughs> like yeah. the, some of these things are very nuanced. Some of these things are very simple. Like you don't have another guard to put on <laughs> realistically, right. which is why this is such a difficult matchup and why Dante being out is so bad because who guards Kyrie? That's the big question. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it might end up like if Pat starts, I think Pat might get some run against Kyrie death. It's not the worst thing. I don't know. It could work. It has the potential. I I just feel like I was the I was blowing the loudest Pat candidate in solid trumpet during the regular season, and now I'm just completely disinterested. We did a whole pod on why it's not Pat Collins' fault. It wasn't clearly, but it might be his fault. Well, you'd blame Bud, not him. He doesn't choose how much he plays. Well, unless that's in his contract, you never know. But he's a savvy negotiator in basketball and real estate. But I don't know, man. I just don't love it. I don't think he has the quickness. I think if you yeah. wanted to put Pat on any of the three guys, it would almost be Harden, which sounds ridiculous. But uh, I honestly, I I'm think more I worried did. about Harden destroying the team than Kyrie because James Harden is better than Kyrie Irving. So I'm going to put the lesser of the defenders on Kyrie Irving. Like this is why the yeah. Nets are such a matchup nightmare is because they have three top tier guys and your your third best player is hitting historic game-winning shots in the NBA Finals. Like, yeah. And putting up almost 50 a game against the Golden State Warriors. Like, this is why they're such a problem, right? <laughs> and especially when you, you're down a defensive player, like, you have to put someone on Kyrie. Like, like you said, if you do start Pat Connaughton, would you rather have Pat Connaughton chase around Joe Harris and, like, try to get... Uh, him to bite at pump fakes and get open threes or would you rather him trying to slow down Kyrie Irving in isolation I would pick him on Kyrie yeah yeah I suppose you you have a point there um do you want a fun stat of course I love fun stats just on like the the issues the Pistons or it's not the Pistons the Nets might have with their uh their fit their starter do you know how many threes uh Bruce Brown Nick Claxton Blake Griffin have combined for this postseason to make seven zero what there wait did you four. include blake in that yeah blake didn't make a three during blake the is oh for two from three in the playoffs oh my goodness okay so yeah it the, all of these players if they hit a three it'll be their first one jeff green somehow is one for four despite only playing in two games so brooklyn just does not have a lot of shooting in that fifth spot which is going to need to be that's that's going to be need to be how Brook Lopez stays on the floors. Even though those players will unlock the Nets perimeter players, I think at this point you pretty much are just going to have to ignore that guy unless they really make you not do that. Yeah. Oh, that really threw me off. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Over for four. Nice. This Good Cla- Claxton hasn't even attempted one. That doesn't surprise me because he's not a three point shooter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeff Green is one for four. But obviously, we, we, we're a little more worried about him. But yeah, the other guys uh, not not getting the job done right now from three. No, for sure. Which again, tilt in Milwaukee's favor. So we're 
And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks going into the series, what are you trying to sort of attack against the rim? The rim. I think it's got to be. That's priority rim. number I one. I think that's where you start. I think that's where you have to start. I think the way the Bucks lose this series in five games is trying to outshoot Brooklyn. I think that will never work. I think you'll never be able to do it. I, I just, maybe you win one game because of variance, but I, I just think it doesn't work. I mean, we've, the Miami series, right? Giannis was stymied to a degree, but the Bucs were able to win because they were just able to, the other players were able to do enough and everything else. I think Giannis just has to be so great offensively in this series. Like, I think that is the glaring weakness. I think, you know, Kyrie and Harden and KD and these other guys can stand in front of and, and make you shoot over them just fine. I think getting to the rim is where you differentiate yourself and that is going to open up better shots. So I think the can, the focus for the Bucks every single game has to be going downhill, piercing that soft, fleshy Nets defense and slamming the ball into the basket from as close as possible as many times as possible, obviously with some pass outs to threes as the defense naturally starts to collapse in response to that. But I think, you know, three is more than two for sure. But a lot of twos are worth more than a mathematically smaller determined by formula amount of threes. I'm not going to do the math right now. I mean, like if you want to get into like there's a point six, the rim are still the most efficient shots. True, true. Very true. Um, So that's a good point. But the Bucks need to generate a lot of those. And I think there's no reason they shouldn't be able to. Um, But I think that's the key. Like, I think if you see long stretches where none of Giannis, Chris, Drew are getting to the rim or and Brooke Lopez cleaning up at the rim, I think that's going to be bad for the Bucs. So I think you need to dominate the boards. That's a given. You have to do that. I think they will. But I think the offense needs to be so geared around being at that rim over and over and over. So I think that's the way that's that's how you can match bucket for bucket with Brooklyn, even if some of yours aren't worth as many. And then. You know, you, you try your best defensively, you do what you can there. And I just think if, if you start at the rim and that's your consistent focus, then I think you're going to shoot better quality threes, which is how you can outscore the Nets. For sure. And especially because this Brooklyn defense, while it is soft and fleshy, like you pointed out, they also like don't care. Yeah. Realistically on the defensive end. Like we saw that in this uh, in the Boston series. And that's why they lost a game because they just they didn't care in that game. In game three, they just like, whatever, let's do what we need to do. They gave up 126 points in that game, I believe, uh, to the Boston Celtics again, who only had Jason Tatum as a capable offensive player. I don't know. And plus, like, they're the only team in the league. I mentioned this on the pod after the uh, mini series in Brooklyn. They're like the only team in the league that does not load up against Giannis. They're like, okay, uh, play one on one. We're going to. Yeah. We're going to live with this matchup. And what does Giannis do? He puts up 85 points in two games. Like they, he, That's untenable. No, yeah. They they gave up in games three through five, 119, 126, and 109 to a Brooklyn team that was literally Boston. Jason, Jason or sorry, yeah, Boston team. Thank you. That was literally like Tatum and all of the failed draft picks Aiden should have traded to upgrade around Tatum. Like, and maybe a future front office personnel. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, they're just uh, that team was not very offensively gifted, and yet they were able to average like around 120 points over three games or just under that. Like, this Nets defense is not good. The Bucks, this is the probably the one series the Bucks will play in this entire postseason. Maybe the only one where I would ever say this. This is one you probably need to win on offense. Like, on defense, you can only do so much. 
you have got to be so good on offense and it's got to be consistent. And that's why I'm worried about over relying on threes. Cause there's, there's just too much variance there. Like I think you have to take it down low repeatedly. I think the bucks are built to do that. I think the nets, like you're saying are not built to stop that. So I think that's the key personally. Yeah. But also like you can win this series defensively because the bucks of any team in the league, are yes. capable of matching Brooklyn defensively, like matching up against them defensively. I agree. Like, they're but... one of the most potent offenses of all time. Milwaukee is not far behind. Like yeah. they can match them offensively if they are locked in. And if Brooklyn, we this is all assuming that Brooklyn is locked in completely, like they're at their peak, which might not happen. Who knows? Uh, it's it's a fair assumption though. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> I think that this is also even more important than ever to like go out and win game one because. Yes. Some interesting personalities on Brooklyn's side. You don't even have say. you you need home court advantage too, which they, they don't have in this series. Also that. Um, which is the first series that they've played in under Bud, which they don't have yep. home court advantage. So a game one on the road is going to be very interesting to see. I just thought of that stat right now. I'm really proud of myself. It's a good one. Uh thankfully yeah. the Nets home court advantage kind of stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Barclays is not I mean, for I know Milwaukee fans say this about you should uh, have heard. Serve. You should have heard Malika Andrews saying uh, Barclays is a better environment than MSG. <laughs> if you need to get some light reading done during the during gameplay, then yes, it is. But it, it literally like the the vibes. I mean, they need James Harden to subsidize ticket sales. Hey, you get a free beer for showing up early. Yeah, what what what? Like you're gonna tell me that's a good atmosphere? Really? Like, come on, man. Um, this is going to be like a massive series, though. And yeah. there's going to be a lot of people there. Like, again, this is the most anticipated matchup of the postseason, like yeah. by far. A lot of people are uh, calling it the finals. And I've, I've already made my Wisconsin-Kentucky yeah. analogy. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But certainly the this Bucks is probably are, the NBA final. The Bucks are in the driver's seat to win the title if they can beat Brooklyn. Is what I, That's For as sure. far as I Whoever wins this matchup, I'll yes. say, is in the driver's seat to win the NBA title. I will um, say whoever wins is winning the East for sure. No question. Yeah, no me. question. But no question. The, the Especially West, with Embiid having a torn meniscus and is apparently day-to-day. It's day-to-day. Philly, does not make any so, sense whatsoever. Philly, please do not kill this man. Do yeah. not turn him into Andrew Bynum. Please. Like as a fan of basketball, please. My goodness. Let him play his career out. My goodness, Philly. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. But um, yeah, I don't know. The Brooklyn thing is going to be fascinating. I almost wonder if it's going to be like the the heat series where we reconvene after game one and we're like wow there's a lot of things that happened that we didn't expect i kind of hope that's the case i feel like i think it will be the case because there's so many unknowns in this series a lot of like we spent the first portion of this trying to figure out who's going to play yeah (laughs) yeah well there's so many unknowns going into this series so we're going to have a lot to go through after game one for sure. I think this is going to be the real test for Bud. And I know this, everything is pro Bud. I'm pro Bud. He was great in the first round. I think the fact of the matter is he's going to need to be great again. The Bucks need to win on the margins in this series. That's how you win a series if you're out talented and the Nets have more top flight talent. That's it goes without saying. I think is this, this is the first real- time they're out talented too. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I think comfortably. There's going to be people who are mad at that. I don't care. Um, but you know, beating my, but the Miami team was very similar, but worse than the last time they played. Bud and the Bucks had like almost a year to digest what what went wrong and game plan for it and fix it. And I I don't think it's going to be you know a collapse like Miami last year. I think they've already shown so much more flexibility and they just have a better roster. 
But this is a different scenario and that Bud needs to be adapting on the fly here. And you don't get 11 months or whatever it was to, to study and mull over what went wrong. And I, I'm not saying they did it for 11 straight months, but I mean, clearly I I'm wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't put it past. I, I wouldn't either, especially honest, but you know, this is new. They've never played a team like this before. Not even close. You need to be ready coming in the gates and you need to be making these adjustments a- after games and after baskets. Like, you need to be making, yeah, fly. exactly. Like during games. Yes. Like after possession a mid basket, you might have to do yes. something. So this, I think is the real test. I'd certainly am a lot, you know, more in favor of Budenholzer sticking around potentially, but I think that I'm, I'm reserving my ultimate judgment on this until I see this. series. It doesn't mean they have to win, but I need to see how the team looks in this series, both how the team is collected and ready to go, which I'm not really worried about anymore. Thankfully, even though the regular season was tenuous, and just the strategies in there. Because I think this is harder, clearly. And I think it's it's unprecedented for this team. So I'm going to be really interested in watching that, too. And, and seeing just, you know, the, the coaching aspect of this. Yeah. Also, like, Bud definitely probably has the coaching advantage in this situation. Like, he had it against freaking Eric Spolstra. Like, this is no disrespect to Steve Nash. But come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I he should. But again, I need to see it now. That's that yeah. applies to everyone on the team in a lot of ways. It's do or die time. This, this is, is really this it. is this is prove it time right here. And thank goodness the Bucks have this dog mentality we've talked about because that's exact. You need to be that team to beat a team like Brooklyn. Brooklyn is not that team. The Bucks need to be that team. You need to out dog them. That's how you win. You win on the margins, and you do stuff like getting every rebound and getting to the rim and, and all that kind of stuff. So. I love I think the makeup of this team is perfect to do it. I'm sticking with Bucks in six. It's gonna be tough and they're gonna need to be so good. I can't wait. I really hope the Bucks live up to the expectations that that they deservedly have on them right now. In the past, the Milwaukee Bucks have been sort of outdogged uh oh, yeah. by lesser opponents. They've been outworked, they've been outclassed, they've learned from those mistakes. We've seen the sample now. They've grown. They've adapted to embrace that dog mentality, as PJ Tucker has beautifully alluded to on multiple occasions. They've also retained their talent. They've upgraded their talent while also embracing a new mentality that has gotten them in the past. This is a team that is built to win right now, and we've been anticipating this matchup, this postseason matchup, all season long. It's here. It's finally here. It's do or die time, Milwaukee. Bucks and five. Bucks and five? Oh, oh my God. Oh, I got it when I said Bucks and five last round. That is good for you. Bucks and five, he says. Wow. I like it. This team, this team is that's I don't know what it is. They're different. This team is different, man. I would love to see that. I will say one last note on this. This is a game I think the Bucs could win in game seven in Brooklyn. Like some series, you're like, oh, if it goes to seven and you're the road team, like good luck. I think they could win if they have to. I'm sticking with Bucks in six, but all hope is not lost at all. For I me mean, we, do, we don't know seven. if all the fans who are at MSG are now going to be in Barclays. No, they're probably going to be like, they, it's Photoshop season for those fans. It already is. Did you see the tweets like during the game? It's like, oh man, Randall has to be a number two. Yeah. <laughs> now they now they need a uh, uh, Lillard in there or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, we got the predictions. Me bucks in six. You bucks in five. One thing I, I think just I thought said of, that on the last pod too. You might have apropos of nothing. 
I just realized if Atlanta does upset the the Sixers, like we called, Bucks get home court again in the conference finals. So that'd be oh, neat. Yeah. Didn't think of that, but they they would be the better seed. So uh, they certainly won't in the fall. They no, they certainly won't in the finals. But um, something to, to just think about. Wait a sec. Will they? Do they have a better record than the Clippers? That's what I'm trying to check right now. Clippers aren't looking great right now. They might have a better record than the Mavs, though. So the Bucks this season were uh, 46 and 26. Uh, the Mavs were 42 and 30. Oh. Uh, so if a top four seed in the West is in the finals, uh, they will have home court. The West team will. Yeah. If a uh, five through uh, eight team makes the NBA finals, then it'll be uh, the Bucks having. So home court Lakers or Mavs, basically. Yes. <laughs> or or Portland, I suppose. So Lakers or Mavs. Yeah, Lakers or Mavs. <laughs> so so no one is really what I'm feeling right now. But my West takes don't age well, so don't listen to that. But yeah. Um, Didn't you not- just say to listen to that up top? Yeah. I said you just don't, said age don't well. listen to that. I said this now. I said, don't listen to me now. Like, don't bet on what I'm oh, saying. Gotcha, gotcha. Because my West. But you're saying don't listen to that pod. No, listen to that. Always listen to that pod. Listen to that pod and laugh at me. But don't don't act upon that pod. Yeah. So there is a chance that the Bucks do still have home court advantage for a series. But to do that, they're going to need to get through Brooklyn. Brooklyn this is Brooklyn. I'm I'm hype, man. This wait. is going to be. I might have a heart attack during one of these. Stay games. healthy, Rohan. I might like who knows if I don't respond like if we're doing a post game just like you know maybe send some help. <laughs> the pod must go on. We'll check in on you after, but the pod must go on. Bro. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like I'll do. I'll... <laughs> yeah, no. I was on I'll, always check on your friends. Yes, but also pod. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of pod, make sure. Do we have anything else to talk about? No, we, we've we've went ready. pretty in depth here. Yeah, we did. We're ready. I hope yeah. everyone else here is ready. Make sure you're uh, safely packing up the Deer District. Make sure you're cheering on the Bucks. Make sure you're going to the games when they're in Milwaukee. Just support the team, man. Support the team. Show your pride. And you know how you can show your pride? Listening to this podcast. And if you are listening to this, you are obviously listening. But you can get more people to do it. Make sure you tell all of your friends and family about the show Check out all of the podcasts on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Win in six. Adam and Jordan are dropping some great content, like Ty mentioned up top. They just dropped a mailbag. Make sure to listen to that. And they're going to be dropping some content. We're going to be mix-matching hosts as we do the post games. We will have a post game for you after every single game in this series, after every single game throughout the postseason, as we try to get you the best content possible during this playoff run for the Milwaukee Bucks. Eurostep Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and we will talk to you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.